0: Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist and Licensed Mental Health Counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith, all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Connecting Out Loud, everyone. This is part two of my interview with Elizabeth Busby of the Discerning Marriage podcast with the Theology of the Body Institute. If you haven't listened to part one, I recommend you listen to that now or go back and listen after this episode so that you can have more context to our conversation. Without further ado, here's the rest of my conversation with Elizabeth Busby. So this is kind of like a different angle of coming at it. So there's remarriage is a thing for many Catholics. So what I mean by this, you know, people realize their first marriage wasn't sacramental, like an annulment type of situation. So they're discerning entry into sacramental marriage. So many men went to ent- enter in the situation with children and kind of like what we discussed before, just having those ghosts from their past haunt them their wounds. Um, maybe they had a negative experience, a traumatic relationship or something like that. So how would you recommend someone in that situation proceed with discerning marriage? Is there anything they should be paying attention to differently than if you were single and never married? Um, Should they be attentive to those fears or wounds from previous relationships or not?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. So (laughs) whereas I think that anyone could benefit from counseling, um, one of my big passionate things uh, in counseling is working on shifting the culture to preventative counseling being a thing. Like we go to the dentist every six months to prevent a root canal uh, to cavity. We were preventing cavities and a root canal is catastrophic. And ideally we'd never get there, but with our most intimate, important relationships, we don't give the same respect. Like we don't go until the cavities are like pretty bad. And we're at root canal level most of the time for most people, right? whether you're in a relationship or not, like a lot of people wait until they're like super depressed before they go to counseling, as opposed to being like, man, like, I just really am not, I'm sleeping more than normal. And I'm not loving the things I used to love. Maybe I should check this out as opposed to like, yeah, anyway. So it's both, it's both individuals and couples. And so, whereas I think everyone could benefit from counseling and I would recommend anybody go to counseling, even if it's just a couple sessions to make sure you're fine. I think everyone who is has gone through a divorce and an annulment needs to go to counseling because I think there is so much there that will absolutely 100% affect your future dating trajectory and your future marriage and co-parenting or parenting if y'all are able to have more kids, whatever. I think I wish that that was like a a norm, like that was a required thing. Maybe it is actually in some dioceses they require that for the annulment process. I think everyone should go because it's so, the pain can be so blinding. And one of the things that's really important to move forward after broken relationships is making sure you're actually forgiving. And forgiveness as distinct from reconciliation. We can get into that later if we want or you can email one of us to ask a question if you're interested in the difference, but forgiveness as in releasing bitterness, not holding it against the other person and really being okay with them flourishing in their life, even if they really hurt you. And that is a hard thing to do. You have to have compassion before you can have forgiveness. And when someone has hurt you as badly as um, it would take to end a marriage, there's gonna be a lot of pain there. And I really, really think having someone, a dispassionate person who can accompany you and walk with you um, is going to be critical for you discerning marriage. It really just critical for like existing after something as catastrophic as a, a divorce, but definitely, definitely in discerning marriage. And just like every other human, I think they absolutely should be attentive to the fears and the wounds that they're experiencing because it will affect you moving forward. It will affect the way that you see the world. It will affect the way you, you engage with the opposite sex it will affect the way. If you have kids, like the way that you speak about your ex with your kids, it will affect the way, like the sort of people you want to date. It will affect how you date all of that. And so I absolutely think being attentive to our wounds and our pain. And I had someone explain to me once that our, our wounds are really a place in our heart where we haven't let Jesus in yet because he mm-hmm. allows for, like, obviously he was super, he was so broken and wounded on the cross. And when he came back in his resurrected body, he had those wounds still, but they were redeemed. Mm-hmm. And so having a wound is not the problem. It's If it's still causing you pain or causing some sort of catastrophic inability to move forward, Christ isn't there yet. You have not let Christ in to heal it. And that can be a really hard thing to do by yourself, especially if the injury done to you is bad enough that it would rip your entire life apart in a divorce, right? Mm-hmm. So go to counseling. That's one of my, and she, she did not pay me to say this guys, like I genuinely (laughs) feel that this is the truth. Um, I think going to therapy is so good. And I will say I'm an MFT, so she a licensed marriage and family therapist. And there are other licenses that counselors can hold. You can just be a general counselor, a professional counselor, or you can be a psychologist, but marriage and family therapists are trained in relational dynamics. So I would honestly say that if you have relational issues that you're working through, like a divorce, going to a, an MFT is an important distinction that I think of course, people who aren't in the counseling world don't know the difference, and there are lots of LPCs, like professional counselors, who can be really great marriage counselors who can be really helpful. But I think if you, if you're asking what you can do, finding an LMFT is someone who, or as someone who can help you, would be really beneficial because the training that we get is different. Uh, it comes from a relational perspective as opposed to coming from the individual perspective. So we look at wounds and brokenness in the context of relationships. Whereas LPCs and psychologists look at them differently. So that's what I would say.
0: Yes, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, the the MFT training is really a unique approach um, to those types of situations for sure. And you, Elizabeth, you have your own marriage prep program that you created, correct? <laughs>
1: yes. Oh my gosh. I still can't believe it's it's real life. Yes. Dream come true. So many years in the making.
0: It's so amazing. I'd love to hear more about that in general, but I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about what are current marriage prep programs that you see a lot in most churches? Um, do you feel like they're missing anything?
1: <laughs> so um, if I may, I, I would phrase that question differently. Okay. So I, I think everyone who's doing marriage prep is doing the absolute best that they can. Every single person who is working in the church tor- for marriage wants holy, healthy marriages. Like we all want the same thing, but I think that there has been a trend in marriage prep, um, to put a lot of the really intense formation in engagement already. Uh, Because in part because it's very easy to say oh you're engaged you want to get married in our church great here are the requirements to do so, and so it allows very, very naturally for sacrament preparation to occur once you're already engaged the very clear cut boundary I totally understand how this ended up happening. But when I was getting my first master's, my theology one, I wrote my thesis on how theology of the body can aid in the discernment of a vocation of marriage. Cause I, like I told you, all I was going through this tremendous breakup at the end of college and was starting grad school as the breakup was happening and was really like, ah, the church needs more for people discerning marriage. Like we would, this breakup would not have been as catastrophic. We would have broken up a year ago when we should have like, we, you know, and so I was very passionate about this. And as I was researching, you know, theology of the body and then diving deeper as grad students do into the writings of the JP2 and the church. I found this document. It's actually an apostolic exhortation written at the end of a synod. So it's not an encyclical. It's not something that I think most people who aren't um, working in the church or aren't grad students would even find. And John Paul II was so prolific. He wrote a ton of stuff. So yeah, it's just this random little document written at the beginning of the 1980s. called Familiaris Consortio. And in it, there's this one article, is what like the big chunks are called. There's this one article in it on marriage prep. And he lists off three stages of marriage preparation. And as I was reading this, I was like, what? How did I not know? So the first stage is called remote and it occurs when a child is growing up in the home and getting this preparation for marriage while living in their, in their family. So they see their parents ideally. And in the ideal world, they see their parents, they have, um, you know, they are able to, whether or not they have siblings, they're living in a community with their parents and their family. Oh no. Speaking of babies, I have one on me, um, who is, Real life, y'all. It's real. Yeah. Who she just lost her pasty, so I just gave it back. Hopefully she's fine. Remote preparation. Speaking of, so she, so the the child grows up in this family where they learn forgiveness and they learn that they're, as he says, endowed with this unique psychology that makes them who they are. And in that, you're prepared to be, you know, dive deeper into discerning your vocation. The third stage, I skipped the second on purpose, the third stage is immediate prep. And he describes it as the months and weeks leading up to the wedding. Now he's talking to a global audience when he writes these things. So in the United States and in a lot of Western cultures, the months and weeks leading up to the wedding is engagement, right? And he lists off a handful of things that you should talk about that are pretty intimate in that stage. But the second one which is not the months and weeks leading up to the wedding right because that's the third one he lists off like 15 things that a person should do who's discerning marriage he doesn't wow. use that word, right. but that a person who's preparing for marriage ought to do he calls it he calls the stage proximate preparation and i was flabbergasted because most of those things are done in engagement um at least in america i can't speak to other countries but in america most of those things are done in engagement and so it was amazing to me as I was reading this that John Paul's vision was that this preparation for marriage would occur before engagement. So I think as I was researching this, I literally then in a true grad student fashion emailed every single diocese in the United States that had the words proximate preparation on their website for marriage prep. There were like, I don't know, 12, it was not very many. And all of them were like, yeah, we, we know this is a thing. We just don't have the time and energy to develop something like it. And so like most programs, we've just taken a, or like most ICs, we've taken a program that, or adapted a program that has all of this proximate prep stuff in engagement, because that's just what's done. And it would take a lot to change it. And they were like, but go for it. Call us when it's done. And, um, That's how I got into counseling, honestly, because I was like, I don't want to do that, Jesus. And so I like, was like, I'll just work with couples one-on-one. But then I graduated that master's and still no one was doing it. And so I was like, fine. Okay. All right, fine. I'll do it. So what I think is that a different approach to marriage prep is actually more in keeping with John Paul's vision um, and with the way that the human heart develops. So the program that I wrote is not actually, strictly speaking, a marriage prep in the sense of the word that you ought to do it when you're engaged. It's approximate preparation, a marriage discernment program that Mm -hmm. allows for you. I literally took those approximate preparation things and made them like divided them into an eight week format because 15 weeks is No one would do that. Um, And so I divided it into into an eight week program. And we, we accompany, we have mentor couples that accompany people and then talks that accompany people through the proximate preparation journey that John Paul advised people to go on. And my intention is for you to do it when you're seriously dating. Um, So we allow singles to come because again, there's nothing for people discerning marriage. And I have this big dream of developing this thing for singles that I'm hoping I can get to in 2021 um, if the Lord allows, but we'll let singles come because there's just nothing else for them who people think, who think they want to get married and want to discern marriage alongside celibacy, but it's really the next step is the course. And it's really meant for people who are seriously dating so that then they can use these proximate preparation things to discern. And then when they get engaged, they can dive deeper into the things John Paul said were good in immediate prep and plan their wedding. Cause let's be honest, most people who are engaged are also wedding planning. So they have a lot going on and then they can start their marriage off with this foundation in the fullness of John Paul's vision. So.
0: Wow, I love that. I mean, just listening to it just gets me so excited because you're right. I mean, I, I feel like there's nothing else like it. I've never heard of anything like it before. And it's so necessary. Um, I love the idea of including mentor couples for sure. I mean, oh, so fruitful. It's it's so beautiful. great. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I'm thinking RCIA, you get a sponsor and you have someone that journeys with you who's further along in the faith. And so why wouldn't you have that in marriage also?
1: Absolutely. And Ignatius talks about when you're really discerning, say Ignatius of Loyola, talks about when you're discerning, you need accompaniment. So I think, yes, I did not make uh, any of these things. I took all these beautiful things from our tradition already and just... Kind of, and and John Paul II. One of the I love that you mentioned RCIA because one of the things John Paul says in Proximate Preparation is that you ought to embark on a rediscovery of marriage, like the catechumenate, like like the people who are coming through RCIA, discovering the faith, discovering Christ. So I love that you made that connection. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And for anyone who might be listening, who doesn't know what RCIA is, it means Right of Christian Initiation. Um, so it's just a way for somebody to come into the church to become Catholic, and um, it's like a process of um, accepting the tenets of the faith. So there's classes so and- the prep-
1: all about it. You sit at the feet of the masters mm-hmm. and you learn about all this beautiful tradition that we have and all these teachings that we have. And it gives you the ability to, to know and understand what you're saying yes to when you come into the church.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that you think mental health programs or marriage prep programs to, can do to meet mental health needs of couples or mm. families? Uh,
1: I wish every single marriage prep program encourage people to go to counseling. I think that people think counseling is a last ditch effort or for really sick people or mentally ill people. And sure, certainly like the, there are people in this field who are trained to help people who fit those categories. But just like my dentist analogy, you go to the dentist every six months for checkups. Like if you, if we treated our mental health this way, if we were like, man, something's not right, I'm not feeling right. Or this thing's going on in my life. That's really hard for me to process. I'm just going to go to counseling or as a couple uh, who's dating and thinking they want to get married or engaged and thinking they want to get, you know, pursuing marriage, going to counseling, I think taking the stigma off of it and, and encouraging them to go to counseling as a way to continue discerning and continue forming themselves would do so much good because as a marriage counselor, I can say that. If someone comes to me or when people have come to me who are married, who are wanting to get divorced, who are like, I'm coming because I'm going to do everything I can to fix this marriage. But I'm like, you have divorce papers in your purse. There's no way you actually are in this. You're not in this. You don't, you're not actually doing everything you can. You just want to say you did, but you're not actually willing to work. And I think if people are willing to go to counseling, if people have the disposition that allows them to seek help, the humility that allows them to seek help early, you're not going to find yourself in that position because you're going to go get help. Before things are catastrophic, right? You'll stop at the cavity. Like when there's a cavity going on, there's some rot happening, you're going to go and get some help. And it's not going to be this catastrophic tooth failure, right? Like that a root canal is. So,
0: absolutely. Well, I know you were kind of touching on it before, but I'd love to talk about just the overall goal of discerning marriage, your ministry, and the podcast. Like, what is that grand vision that mm-hmm. you like? How do you want to support everyday Catholics? How do you think the Lord is inviting you to support and strengthen the domestic church?
1: Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me do this work. Um, I love that question. I, I honestly think that my, so my vision is that people would discern marriage, like they discern religious life. So circling back to the beginning of this conversation, where it was like, do people just default into marriage or get me like accept marriage as a default vocation? Yes, they do. And I think that that posture even betrays a devaluing of the sacrament of marriage, like it's not as big of a deal as celibacy or not as big of a deal as the religious life the, or the the celibate vocations. and it's just not true. That's just not true. Um, and so I think that it would like my vision, my hope, um, would be that people would discern marriage intentionally. Now I'm not saying you have to discern religious life. If you feel called to marriage, you can just dive deeper into that. I'm not saying you have to do both, but do it on purpose. Di- like discern marriage on purpose. So, I one, want to disseminate the idea that that's a thing, that like you can discern marriage as a thing, you know, as a legitimate vocational option, but to give resources to do that. So dating resources and this discernment resources, my next step program, the dream I have for singles. I have actually a lot of really big dreams. We'll see if the Lord lets it happen because I'm also living my dream of being a wife and a mom. So we'll see. But yes, I have. Yes. So not only disseminating this idea, but giving people resources to do it. And one of the things that I love about my podcast and podcasts in general is I can compile experts um, to all in one place. So if someone's just starting marriage and they like want to know about one particular topic in general, it's all right there. I mean, I say all, I have 12 episodes as of the recording of this, but um, hopefully over the months and maybe years that there will be this one central place where if you want to discern marriage, you can come here and find out the different things that are good and necessary for the vocation. And I'm not an expert on everything and I'm an expert on very little actually. And so I love that the podcast allows for me to bring people anywhere experts on all these things that are necessary and people can learn from those experts. I love that so much. I feel like it's a very universal approach. So, and then honestly strengthening and serving the domestic church, I'm I'm hoping to do that by helping people to discern marriage well and live marriage well, and not just stay married, but be happy. This is something that we haven't talked about today, but both uh, Regina and I are very big on the Gottman method. And one of this is an empirical based research based method of, it's a a therapeutic modality for counselor or for marriage counselors. And one of the things that they really emphasize is how to have happy marriages. It's not just that you stay married. It's that you like your life, like that you're, you enjoy being married. And that's, that's one of the things I think will build up the domestic church The best is when people are happy and joyful and loving their life and not just like stuck in the mundane dreariness. I think that some people think that a lifelong monogamous relationship is. So yes, that is my hope. And really ultimately everything that I want to do or everything that I'm doing, everything that I want to do serves to get people in touch with the heart of Christ because without Jesus, like life is so boring and hard. Like Jesus is just (laughs) he's just our happiness. He's just our, our, I don't know. He's our joy. And I, I'm hoping that as people are discerning marriage and they're getting resources to do it well, they are finding Christ at the core of everything we do and at the core of their life. So it's a little bit about my heart. Man,
0: I'm like fired up, man. I just want to like shout it from the rooftops. It all sounds amazing.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you.
0: So um, we're coming to the end of our time. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners or maybe like one important thing that you hope listeners will remember from this podcast?
1: Oh, I hope you remember that it's Jesus you seek when you dream of happiness. I hope that you remember that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the answer to all of this. And your desire for marriage is good. Your desire for healing is good. And your desire for, you know, babies, if that's what you want, is good. But ultimately at the core of all of this, it's a desire for Christ. It really is. And a life apart from him is good just like I said, dreary and boring, like Christ is the answer to all of this. So that's what I'd like people to get out out of this. And the second thing I would love people to get out of this is that counselors are normal people who just want to help you. (laughs) Like we, like counseling does not have to be a big, scary thing. It can be just an accompaniment of someone who has put a lot of time and energy and effort into learning how to love you well and serve you well and help you to seek the freedom that Christ can offer. So I hope listening to two counselors talk about these things that we're passionate about make counseling something that is more achievable for you, maybe more accessible to you. Um, Something that is just isn't so scary. Cause I think if you're able to have the humility to go to counseling, I think it can lead to a lot of freedom, whether you only need a little bit of freedom or you need a lot, a lot of help. I think that counseling really is something that can lead you to the heart of Christ really well by helping you navigate through your brokenness and, and teaching you to let your wounds be this sacred meeting place between you and the Lord.
0: Beautiful, and where can people find you and connect with you?
1: Well, um, I am on Instagram a lot at Discerning Marriage. I have my podcast, the Discerning Marriage Podcast, which you can find a link to on my Instagram or uh, discerningmarriagepodcast.com. Uh, and I have my own website, discerningmarriage.com. I'm trying to be very consistent with my branding. It's all discerning marriage. <laughs> and yeah, you can find me there and connect with me there. I love talking to people and emailing with people and messaging with people. So please, please, please reach out um, if you want, if you have questions or just want to talk. I would love to hear from you.
0: Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been an awesome conversation. I think so many people are going to find it helpful. And just thank you for your ministry. And, you know, I pray that the Lord blesses it. It's, it's going to be amazing. So thank you so much for coming in your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you for all of the work you're doing. We need more good Catholic counselors and Catholic marriage and family therapists. So I'm so glad that you're doing the work you're doing. I'm so honored to be a part of it. And thank you, Jesus, for blessing our work and our ministry. All glory to you.
0: Amen. Amen. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review. So if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud.